Well, 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 we are here. The pop apologists, Chandler. We're here. I have to just start off a giving a slight disclaimer. I might be a little bit slow to the take. I might not have as many quippy one-liners as I typically do. A little bit tired. I have been working on a very long project for work that required me to wake up and virtually shoot a commercial from, commercial sounds weird, not a commercial, a video at like 1 at one a.m. or 2 a.m. both the past two nights. So I'm really tired and that I'm making excuses right off the bat here. So I'm sorry to the listeners for the excuses that I'm making, but here they are. Well, at least you're straightforward. At least you're transparent. I think this is an excellent way to kick off our career on YouTube because we are recording video and we are going to be putting this on YouTube. So um, viewers, watchers of the pod on YouTube, we'll probably get like, honestly, actually what's embarrassing about putting this on YouTube channel. I don't know if you thought Ugh, about I've, the I literally have thought, was thinking about this right before we recorded. It's like people will be able to tell how many times it's been viewed. So it's going to uh, probably for like a year, it's going to be like 322 views after like a year of being. Up. I was thinking about how you're going to be able to like very easily find like a lot of video footage of me online, which is not something I ever envisioned for my life. Um, I was not planning on being this accessible, at least like, you know, video wise. But I guess here we are for better, or for worse. You're not going to be as enigmatic and mysterious as you once envisioned for your future self. But listen, I never thought that as an adult, my life would be comprised of living in Puerto Rico and talking about celebrities on the internet. And, you know, also, anyway, I never even, I thought I'd be on a farm long ago with some Ralph Lauren model, like raising our free range children, reading Tolstoy. None of that came to fruition, people. Nothing is as you thought it would be. And life, that's just what you have to accept. Right. Life is a highway. See, this is like these it's a are, winding road. This is the level of jokes I'm going to be able to make. The it's a winding road. And you know what? You just have to accept the person that you've become and the dreams you've deserted. That's my, that's Here's the message me. I always try to impart to young women. Mm-hmm. It's that really just try to know that everything that you've ever hoped for your life will likely not come to pass. No dream will come to fruition. Um, Men will fail no, you every you know, time. Do- and men will fail you every time. That's one of our one of our quotes from our father. It's super heartwarming. Yeah. And, you know, that's just something you have to accept. But life will also yield you. This is like the good news. This is the good news, as they say. Life will also yield you unexpected surprises. Like, I never thought my life would look how it is today, but I'm also so super happy and like incandescently this, happy with how my life looks I feel looks like this today. just turned into like Lauren's on Oprah. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes God (laughs) gives you what you need, not what you want. That's what I've learned throughout my time, ladies. It's something about the way your robe keeps like slipping and you're just like, my life is just incandescent now. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I really am trying to pull off the one shoulder vibe Mm -hmm. because that's a very Kardashian vibe, right? right? It's a very like cool girl vibe, the one shoulder. Mm -hmm. Because if you're wearing a jacket, if you want to be cozy, but you also like want to be sexy. You pull out the shoulder. Right, right. you got to show a shoulder. Gives you, got to show a shoulder. It gives you a little bit of shape. Gives you a little bit of definition. I mean, I shows you. I love wearing a physique. jacket that's just on my shoulders. I like fully own the fact that's an, some annoying behavior that I participate in. Whatever. Oh, you mean like with the arms, with yeah, the flaps yeah. hanging. Your arms not on yeah. the sleeves. I like that too. I instantly feel I famous f- oh. whenever I wear a jacket. That's yes. not um, my arms aren't yes. through the I shoulders. I feel richer. I feel more famous. Oh, more yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those things. 
Totally. And honestly, like what are better things to feel? So it's an incredible strategy if you want your self-confidence right. to go up a little bit and you want people, other people to think you're an asshole. Like it's an incredible thing. People Highly will respect recommend. you more if you do that. Oh, people will be like, wait, I'm sorry. Like she doesn't need a reservation at this restaurant. Like clearly we don't know who she is, but she's someone and we need to take her seriously because do you see the way her jacket's just gracefully like hanging off her shoulders? At least, and her, you know, they keep it up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. Um, there's a jewelry brand working with her right now to show off those mm-hmm. clavicles. Hundred percent. No, but here's the dark reality: is I kind of, you know, what I can feel the air against my shoulder, and I really prefer to be wrapped cozily. Well, can I tell you that? I mean, can I admit that I, to you? You're in a committed relationship. I think if there was ever a time for you to feel like you could just wrap yourself up and not feel like you had to, you know, keep it sexy all the time, now would be the time. Well, thank you. Um, well, I'm glad I got my I, I could bear my shoulder for the first part of this episode, and mm-hmm. now I can get cozy for the latter part. Here's something I recently realized. I was looking back through old photos at my uh, previous job, and I feel like I dressed not to use mom's words. Oh, excuse me, not to use mom's words, but I feel like I dressed pretty immodestly at my old job. And oh, really? Yeah. So I was looking at some photos of myself. I think I was going back through my old phone and looking for I don't know to post for someone's birthday or something. And I saw all these photos of myself at my previous job. And I was showing a lot of shoulder. Not only was I showing a lot of shoulder, and I I don't have like a huge bosom, if you will. So I always felt like I could wear a tank top and not, you know, feel like I was sure. exposing too much of myself. But I saw these photos where not only am I showing shoulder, I'm showing bra strap. Like I'm Courtney oh. in high school with like a white, yeah. white tank top. And I was actually slightly mortified and then I was like you go girl I was like kind of proud of myself you go girl yeah well two things about that one is I was just you know advertised on Instagram from Madewell a work look and it was like where to work and when when you go back to the office and it was like fully a skirt that went four inches past the crotch I was like, in what world is this appropriate? In what world should we wear mini skirts to work? And then I also remembered like what I would wear at my last job. And I'm like, oh wait, in the world I used to inhabit when I would wear mini skirts to work. Right, you wear like an exercise dress to work. Well, here's the thing. My old job, literally our receptionist got in trouble and I won't say her name, but she got in trouble because she would wear like Daisy Duke booty shorts like Daisy Duke denim shorts at the front office. And it would be so intense that you could see like part of the butt cheek. And I guess that's where my office uh, drew the line. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, growing up in a beach town, that sounds about right for the company you worked at. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So yeah, but I do work from home has made me dress more modestly. So mom, you can feel good about that because for whatever reason, maybe it's actually no, it has nothing to do with work problem. It has everything to do with the fact that I live somewhere cold now. So I have to wear more clothing. Well, also, like, does it matter if you're dressing modestly if no one can well, see? Well, I you? have my camera on all day long. Like, I don't really take very many. Oh, gotcha. It's not okay. like the vibe at my job is not like camera off. Like, every time I join a meeting, almost every single person has their camera on. Unless, like, you kind of have to like give a reason for why your camera's off, or at least I feel compelled to do so. Oh, really? Because if everyone has their camera on, you're kind of like someone will be like, "Hey, are you here?" You're like, "Oh yeah, I just 
you know, I'm out and about. I'm out of pocket or whatever. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. Well, that's hilarious because at the job I was at before this, before I was laid off due to COVID, my illustrious career before March of 2020 or April 2020, I this most stunning impact of COVID for me in my life was being able to take a hot shower in the morning and then be on a call five minutes later in my towel, lying face down in bed, just like... Like, all right, Lauren, so what's your recap for the day? What are the things you're going to like? What are you going to tackle? What are the things we can help you with? Any questions for the team? And I'd be like, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, me, my hair is fully in a towel. Um, I've just stepped out of the bath. I am half naked and I'm fully BSing. I do not have like the window open. I'm not looking at the presentation. And anyway, maybe that has something to do with the fact that I was unceremoniously <laughs> let go. Yeah, that's amazing. I, th I don't think I've, I've yet to take a meeting in that way. But I mean, you never know. There's still time. There's still time. It sounds like your job is perhaps a little bit more demanding than mine was. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. This is the funny part of you guys for new watchers slash listeners. If you go back to our first episode, you will hear me having just been laid off and Chandler having not only having a great job, but being courted by a major tech company to work for. So it's quite the um, juxtaposition. It's quite the juxtaposition, if you will. And let's just say several breakdowns ensued on my behalf. It was actually like fairly dark to be like 29 and laid off, like fully out of work, having no clue what I'm going to do because I didn't want to do what I was doing before. And then having my like 24 year old sister, like, entertaining six-figure job offers and thinking about it. 
first of all, I just laugh because, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that was a, do you remember these days? I do remember these days. I also like the timing of me getting my new job was very, was very strange. Like I had started to interview pre-COVID. I'd just been in talks with like a, a headhunter and a recruiter. And then like a month later, like three weeks into COVID, like then they were like, all right, so you're interviewing now. This is like real. And I mean, I didn't even think that anything was going to happen. Nevertheless, it was quite the moment to be being like wooed while I was being fired. I mean, like it was, it you was know? kind of a bummer moment because I also still feel this way that like I feel very fortunate to have gotten like this job. It's like, you know, been sort of a dream job for me in the midst of like everyone losing their jobs and especially like women, you know, like, I don't know if you've read any of the st- statistics about the she session, which is what they're calling it. But like the fact that basically every person who was laid off in December of 2020 was a woman and you mean March of 2020? No, 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 no. At the end of like the, like the latest round of like, May, oh, at the end like of the, when mo- the majority of people who left the workforce as of December, 2020, maybe not laid off are women. women. So like, there's like a full because they had they, to bear the brunt of the workload. Yeah, actually, like all I've been thinking about with my current campaign that I'm working on is like women are bearing the brunt of this pandemic in such a like a insane way that like we're literally going to be like set back as like society because of like the impact that this is having on like with the workforce, females in the workforce. I mean, I definitely don't want to take such a dark look at it because I'm hoping that we're going to be back to normal with the miracle of the vaccine. But I will say that, and I think a lot of times, like, you know, there can be very splashy headlines. Oh, I'm not, I'm not like quoting headlines for the record. Like, I'm not trying to say that, you know, like the world will never be the same, although actually it won't be, but, but like women have been the most hard hit by this. And I mean, it's like, what did we expect? For sure. Well, that, and that's the thing is it's like, there's just so much that you do, even as a childless woman, there's so much that you do that just, be, it's just, I don't know what it is, but it's like an innate drive. It's an innate drive to be like, did we get this person a wedding gift? You right. know what? It's like, oh, there's so many things that guys, and I, I don't want to stereotype, you know, Chandler's cancel police. So she's here to help me not get canceled, but I don't want to stereotype. No, but I, I mean, but there's just so many things that guys really don't think about that girls think about and women think about. And it's, it creates such a well, burden. I mean, know? it's just, it's literally a fact of like life and biology and society and social norms that like women shoulder far more of the burden and like in the social sense, in the like home sense, like in every possible way, mm-hmm. like there's just like, there's no comparing the two because like it's very rare to find like a 50 a true 50 50 split and like workload of like taking care of a family and relationship yeah there's no getting Mm -hmm. around it and I think that when you when it comes to the pandemic I think that it's an untenable situation and we're this is like not generally we're we're not 60 minutes or like the Atlantic Barbara Walters is shaking her head right now saying leave it to me all of my knowledge is essentially like the piecemeal like bits of information I remember from listening to the daily. So don't take any of this as fact. Yeah, totally. But I will say that, you know, women just, they're the ones that generally kids turn to demand more of and who feel inclined and are paying more attention and to their children. And I think, Okay, I feel already I'm like entering into dark territory, but ultimately that's just, I think, oh, thousand percent. And it's just the reality. And so, of course, women have been more like hit by this pandemic before, even before this, they were doing way mm-hmm, more housework, mm-hmm. 
way more like domestic labor mm-hmm. than men. And then once you're no longer, you don't have a school to be taking care of your kids, you're with your kids all the time. Of course, women are going to be taking the brunt. So anyway, and thank God, thank goodness we don't have children. Yeah, not yet at least, you know. During this time. You never know. It was something I wished for beforehand, and now I'm just glad I, I didn't in 2020 <laughs> and 2021. But fingers crossed for 2022, people. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if anything, it's like, you know, hats off to you, Courtney, because Laura, you and I still basically only have ourselves to worry about, so we can't even really speak to totally. this. Courtney's our sister for anyone new to the pod, and she has four children, and she somehow manages it with beauty, grace, style, everything, all of which I can't even muster without, with, without, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. There are some things that are sacrificed. Like I can't get a text back. So, you know, it's not like she's not perfect. Courtney dresses better at home with four children than I do childless just with my fiance. I'm not sure what that says except for negative things about me. Yeah. Yeah. What Courtney will be in a pair of jeans before 9am, which is, I think is, is it's unnerving. Hard denim, hard denim mm-hmm. Levi's before 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not – that's a level of coarseness that I'm not cut mm-hmm. out for. Mm-hmm. Okay, can we get into – let's get into fun topics, Shan, of the week, okay. shall yeah. we? The first that I really want to talk with you about was Kim Kardashian posting on Instagram a emo, like, subtle message to her ex post that has left me – shaken and reeling ever since yes. are you talking about the video footage outside of the car with the drive the song driver's yes. license playing yes i am aware yes mm-hmm. okay so for the listeners we're gonna play it really quick so you can get an idea of exactly what we're talking about but kim kardashian as we all know has ha- it was rumored she was getting divorced about uh six weeks ago and now she has officially filed this is something i predicted actually in the first episode of our podcast so uh, what a throwback it took us 45 episodes later sage yeah i'm you know i'm threatening the job of all the seers Mm -hmm. out there okay um where hold on exactly okay so i'm gonna play this for everyone you know just do what you can I would say in this right. moment, to steal yourself away, not burst into tears. Exactly. Okay. So for context for this video, Kim is driving to Palm Springs. That's very clear from the windmills. If you're, you know, Southern. Right. If, you're, if you've ever been to Coachella, you'll recognize these windmills. If you ever shopped at the Polo Ralph Lauren outlet in the Clarence you'll know exactly where she is. hundred percent. So she posts this with neutral tone hearts, brown, green, various shades of neutrals, and then knife emojis, okay? And listen to these lyrics. Hear her. Hear what she's saying. Did you, is this the first time you've heard this song? It is the first time I've heard this song. So you're about a month late 
to the driver's license debacle. Yes. I know the general. I know the generational divide. It's coming out, <laughs> um, but I've never heard this song before. It's nothing to do with the generational. Divide. You're actually are much more on the front of the like the frontier of things. But I just wanted to make it very clear that this song, in and of itself, is a whole episode. Oh really? Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I guess we'll do. Well, I mean, about it. basically, yeah. It's that girl who sings it is literally, I think, is seventeen. And she's actually oh, friends really? with – I only saw this on Facebook. Maybe this is weird to Chloe, but Chloe East, our, like, devoted, like, childhood friend and listener, is good friends with her. But she's, like, a teen actor. And Oh, interesting. And the I mean, song is – She is talking about getting her driver's license in the Right. In the so one, you would hope she's not 32 right. or something. Anyways, this, there was, like, a song, and then there was, like – because the song's really good. Then there was, like, a rebuttal song, and then there was, like, another rebuttal song by his new girlfriend – there was a re- rebuttal no, song by him and then another saga. song from his girlfriend, from his new girlfriend, that blonde. Right, None like, of them are as good as driver's license. Like it's like, I'm getting my tractor's license. I'm getting my motorcycle's license. I mean, they license. all look like 11 like, to me. It's just like a very commercial right, license. Right. I'm getting my get business license. I'm getting my beer and wine <laughs> license. <laughs> I'm getting my estheticians <laughs> license. No, they're not, no one, none of the songs are as good as driver's license, but – Anyways, driver's license is this whole saga. So I thought it was interesting that Kim used this song. Yeah. Well, I mean, the lyrics themselves, I'm driving through suburbia. I mean, let's just, shall we? I will read the lyrics. Roll footage. Um, Roll footage. And all my friends are tired of hearing how much I miss you, but I kind of feel sorry for them because they'll never know you the way I do. Yeah, today I drove through the suburbs and pictured I was driving home to you. And I know we weren't perfect, and I've never felt this way for no one. And I just can't imagine how you could be so okay now that I'm gone. I guess you didn't mean oh, this like cuts so deep. I have the chills. I can't remember if I can read it. I guess you didn't mean what you wrote in that song about me. Cause you said forever, and now I drive alone past your street. I don't know if I can finish this episode. I know. And then you think about should we play only one? It's extremely moving. Oh, we, we can't. I actually thought one. about listening to it when I was moving through these emotions this past weekend, and I was like, I can't. <sighs> I mean, emotionally reckoning with the dissolution of this marriage is something that I think as a nation we're going to be, you know, grappling with for probably generations yeah. to come, not only decades. I mean, as women return to the workforce, like, we will move through this. I'm a person planning a wedding, and how can I do that? How can I form a union mm-hmm. when perhaps one of our greatest unions is being dissolved unceremoniously? Mm-hmm. I don't – The only – only you know It's disrespectful, frankly. Absolutely. I think I'm going to tell Kagan that our engagement's off. <laughs> Call it off, baby. I mean, and then this on top want- of the Tim and Faith selling their – I mean, it's just – marriage is a sham. I have no faith in marriage. <laughs> I have no faith in love. I don't even think that men and women should be together. Okay, wait. Tell me – I want to know. And because here's the thing, Chad, this is a very pedestrian move, right? Like this brought me back to yesteryears, I will say. Yeah. Um, Times, like time, let's just say that posting emotional poetry, lyrics, these were things I indulged in too much. I mean, I had a gluttony of such, of such activities. in my youth. If only I had, had access to like a social media platform, like when I was in my early years, like I would have, I would have done this left and right. I think I've never felt more emotion than I, than I have on the 405 freeway driving maybe to grandma's house, like on a Sunday, like we had a 45 minute car oh ride gosh. where everyone basically listened to music. Um, and I don't think I've ever felt as deeply as in those moments. 
Well, I mean, what about, okay, I want to talk to you about though, not just the moments of rumination, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. shall we? But let's talk about the moments of embarrassing um, internet displays of, of um, ennui, of moroseness, you know? <sighs> I will just say that this harkened back to my days of posting very, very transparent, obvious away messages on AOL Instant Messenger. That was a classic way of being emo back in the day, you guys, and trying to get, you know, some sort of message across to your beloved. Um, But Chandler, what was your favorite way of signaling signaling on? I mean, I feel like there was a time in my life where I was posting Instagrams of Bright Eyes lyrics. Like there was a yeah, Bright Eyes song that was like there's a Bright Eyes song called Lua and it's about I think he's dating someone with bulimia. I was maybe 13 and I felt like this song had never hit me harder. I'm lucky enough to have never had an eating disorder, but I I felt it in my bones deep within me. Um it's it was written for I mean you. Bright Eyes was truly some of the saddest music of all time and I had no, I had I had undergone zero tragedies basically up until that point. <laughs> But it was – She'd experienced virtually zero sadness. Yeah, zero sadness whatsoever. But nonetheless, um, Big Bright Eyes Girl had a, had a tote bag and everything. Um, so – but one of my favorite moments is when I've actually been on the uh, receiving end of these uh, emotional moments. When someone's posted something that's a little bit um, – someone an, an ex-boyfriend of mine posted something after we'd broken up. He'd started dating someone new. And – the caption was cryptic and it was totally directed at me. And I've literally never felt like I felt an intense amount of like sadness for it. But then I also felt an immense amount of pride that I'd driven, that I'd driven a 31 year old man to this level. There honestly is nothing more validating. And I wish I had known this back in my youth, back when I participated in these cringeworthy activities, but there's nothing more validating for the other party. Literally when you post super cringy, Posts about someone else. I mean, or or cryptic messages. One of my favorite memes ever is this girl, and she's just like looking like this, and she's looking at the camera. And she's like, "He don't care, girl. Go to sleep. Don't post the quote." And it's so, it's true. so true. It's so true. Do you want to hear what the caption? Don't was? post the quote. Do you want to hear what the photo on the caption? Oh yeah, were? what he said. Yes. So definitely. it was a photo of his new girlfriend. Um, Wait, he posted about you when talking. So it was a. It was like a photo of her, like whatever getting like um like a hike or something and he said new friends can often have a much better time together than old friends wow wow i'm sorry but if you're talking about an ex while um, posting about your current girlfriend in a public instagram you know who are you really who are you really into that's my question who are you really Mm -hmm. thinking about Mm -hmm. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories 
It is just the best protein powder out there. Everyone go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. That's POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. Cleansimpleeats.com, POPAPOLOGIST for 10% off. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app. Um. Okay. Well, in other news, Chandler, um, I wanted to talk to you about a TikTok I saw this week. So... Recently, this TikTok came out and I woke up to it because a dear friend of the pod, Maddie from the Bad Broadcast, she talked about about it and the fact that it made her angry. And so I want to talk about the message here. This might be the most sexist thing I'll ever say because I, I don't really agree with it. But at the same time, like when I start looking around, I'm like, right. But do girls have hobbies? Whoa, man. Where did that come from? They no. just like literally just can't record. I know. There's a select few. But it's rare for a girl to have a hobby, like a camaraderie hobby, like a, okay. a camaraderie so hobby. Was, he basically goes on to say, like, like skateboarding, like where you all go to a skate park. I mean, they're like dumb fifteen-year-olds. So I can't believe they have a podcast. Here's my. It's too easy. Uh, it it's dark. It's dark. Um, there really needs to be more barriers for entry. But um, here's my thought. Of course, at first I'm like, how dare they? How dare they? We have interests. We have hobbies. Like. We're people too, and we are, and we do. But also, like, can we normalize the idea of not having hobbies? Like, what's so wrong with not having hobbies? That's my question, actually. Or or what's so wrong with having your hobbies be extremely routine and pedestrian and, you know, like something like getting your nails done or luxuriating, if you will. Like, why does a hobby have to be something that's hard to do? Why does it have to be a skill you have to master? That's what I don't why understand. Be, why does it have to be something where you're putting your body in danger, like surfing or skateboarding mm-hmm. or any why – why, why does it even have to be something that requires exertion? Right, right. Okay. Let's talk about resting as a hobby. Like, Let's talk about – A 20-minute walk. Massage. That's a hobby. That's a little much for me. Sure. But yeah, it could yeah. be. Um, it could be. I, I feel like the hobbies things always, always comes up with me. It's, it's something I struggle with to this day. Well, my favorite part about it is like, hey, so just so you know, as a society, we expect you to not only um, someday have children, also have a career, mm-hmm. be like a power woman, mm-hmm. be building girl your boss. empire, you know, girl boss, boss. Meanwhile, babe, you do boss 75% babe. of the labor in the home. Yep. Yeah, totally. Exactly. You bear the children. You, you know, are a, a nurturing mother, a, you know, a powerhouse in the boardroom. And then not only that, the sheets. you work out, of course. you keep freaking the sheets, keep a ton body. Oh, and I'm sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. But w- wait, after all that, what's your hobby? Like, what's your, are you, do you paint on the side? I'm sorry, but there's no on the side. No, there's no on the side there's like there's barely enough time for like the the main dish there's no room for side dishes there's no room for anything else even as a childless woman 
I don't feel like I have time for hobbies. I can barely find time to work out. Like, yeah. I'm going to call working out my hobby. I'm going to call reading for 10 minutes before I go to bed a hobby. Like, let's just, let's just normalize the fact that it doesn't have to be something interesting or cool. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Beyond like sitting on your sectional, there's very little required. Um, I was just actually with FK, with Kagan's friend, we were, we went uh, up into the mountains this weekend and we were chatting on the way, like, and he's been in Puerto Rico for a couple years. So he was giving us the lay of the land and talking to us about stuff. Anyway, I was like, yeah, okay, great. Like, oh, this trail is cool. Okay. Yeah. But um, I was like, so what are, what are your favorite hotels uh, on the island? You know, and he's like, oh, I actually haven't really been to any of the hotels. Like, it's kind of like, that's kind of like a couple thing. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah, I really love hotels. Like, I was like, it's just kind of like a hobby of mine going to different <laughs> hotels, checking out the amenities, you know, discovering the view. Of course. Of course. It, like, checking out one, you know, um, what are they called? One, uh, not waterfall, not eclipse. Infinity pool? Uh, infinity. Mm, sure. One infinity pool you can, and how it compares to another. You can be a connoisseur of infinity pools and that's your hobby and that's enough. You are enough, okay? You're, you are enough. You are enough. Honestly, for all my children, I'm going to set them up with travel accounts on wow. social media very early on because Good for you, sis. what kind of just become a travel influencer? That if you're if you are if you're anyone listening to this podcast, you know don't know what you need to want to do with your life, become a travel influencer, become a five star hotel reviewer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And have your job. This is seriously like such a good idea. I'm thinking about doing it if my business doesn't work out or something. Like just go to different hotels and write reviews about them. Suddenly you have hotels paying you to go there. Free stays. It's gorgeous. I mean, that's like, that's find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That's that's what I'm yeah. saying, sister. Okay, um, Chandler, the other thing I'm dying to discuss, Alan V. Farrow. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Alan V. Farrow. Not the not the ancient Egyptian say, grain. Like, is this a salad? Um, <laughs> um you watched. I watched. Like chilling. Aghast. I'm aghast. It's like so so this is what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and doing some reflecting on it. I we didn't grow up with like cinephile. Is that the word? Is that how you would say it? Um, parents. Like, our parents were not like, you have to watch all of these incredible films that are part of your education. No. Our parents didn't really, like, care. All, like, they watched movies, but they didn't, like, you know. Our parents weren't art They're not art connoisseurs. Like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So. They're comfort connoisseurs, I, which is what we get. Yeah. Around. So I didn't have any sort of, like, early cultural exp- exposure to Woody Allen until I was, uh, like, already, like, you know, a, a young woman. Um, you know, coming into her own, and and I think mm-hmm. actually the, coming of and age. I'd already and I'd seen Annie Hall, and I remember thinking and not really realizing that Woody Allen was like the director and the star of it, um, but that's it. And so when Me Too happened and Woody Allen was like a part of that conversation, it didn't really bother me that he got like canceled until well, okay. it's, it didn't yeah, it didn't bother me. I didn't feel like I lost anybody. I didn't lose like a hero like a lot of people in the documentary talk about. Um, and it wasn't mm-hmm. until like I did some like of my own research about his stepdaughter. I don't even know. Adopted daughter. I don't know. I don't even soon. Like, like that's when I truly realized the horror of like, of yeah. Woody Allen. Uh, I mean, 
there's just no excuse. There's no rhyme or reason or way that this could be anything but what it is. Truly, as pop apologists, we are defenders of the family um, and the family union. And so as much as we will potentially excoriate uh, a homewrecker on this podcast, I don't think there's anything we can condemn more than a guy who marries his stepdaughter. I mean, I'm. I also didn't realize that Mia Farrow had seven children when she met him. I didn't realize that she was just like this. Well, like, I mean, she'd been married before, and obviously, but like, right. I mean, the idea that she had that many children and she was just like, and and adopted them and adopted even more on her own. Like, there was something very like wonderful and benevolent about her to me in the in the documentary, and it's just heartbreaking at the same time that she let this man in. So I think we'd be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that there are definitely opposing views to the story and that there's actually like allegations of abuse on Mia Farrow's part. Um, Mia Farrow. Not not sexual abuse, um, but um, just allegations of like, you know, that she was a cruel parent. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I don't think that – and Mia actually, before she met Woody – she was living with a couple and she ended up breaking up that marriage. What other – what other like – did you read a book on this ha- in between telling me to watch this episode? Listen, all I do is Google salacious so, things. It's literally my full-time mm-hmm. hobby. That's my hobby, people. Um, anyway, yeah, she was like living with some fam- some couple. With her she children? Ended up having with, the child. With her – all of her kids? <sighs> like I don't – I don't remember. I, how do you have time to I'm have just an saying affair that when she, you have seven so children? She, no, no, this was before the okay. children. I think she – so here's what happened. She was married – so this is actually where it's it's all a convoluted tale, you guys. Um, so she was married to Frank Sinatra. I don't know if you know this. When she was 21 and he was like 50. Okay. And then she ends up breaking it off with him. Their marriage only lasted two years and she moved in with a married couple, ended up having the child of the husband um, and breaking up that marriage. So – I don't think Mia Farrow is like a what? pristine angel, like benevolent person. Also, go ahead. What child was that? Would that have been? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what child it was, um, but I'm just saying what I remember okay. reading. So this okay. could all be false, but I th- okay. I'm almost positive okay. it's true. And then she, you know, like Moses, who they talk about mm-hmm. in the film, he's written a full like blog on how Mia was abusive, like to the kids and. Essentially, I'm not. I don't want to like paint Mia as this angelic creature because I don't think that's what uh, yeah, she I was. Yeah, I didn't know about any of this. I mean, and she's yeah, she's portrayed as I, that as like this like docile, like sweet woman in the documentary. Which is why I don't think that the documentary is is truly fair. But I do think that it it elucidates enough to make us realize that these allegations they're really 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 hard to get past like the first thing that for me is the um the smoking gun essentially is the fact that she's so concerned with his fixation on dylan who has accused him of the sexual um, impropriety or assault but she's so uh she's so hyper conscious of that that she hires a psychologist to observe woody Mm -hmm. allen and then he agrees to go to therapy for it meanwhile and this is like kid together decades ago. Yeah. And there are friends, there are peripheral people mm-hmm. in their lives interviewed in the documentary who corroborate his inappropriate right. interest in Dylan. Right. Yeah. And her, 
and her and Dylan's reaction to it, you know, strange yeah. behavior yeah. around him. There's one really, really chilling story in the documentary where one of the other adults talks about how she encountered Woody Allen teaching Dylan. And honestly, trigger warning, guys, like serious trigger warning. Um, don't – if you have kids in the car, turn this off. Um, but she she encounters Woody teaching Dylan how to suck his thumb, which is a very, very – I've never been when I like that. when I heard that my like stomach turned over and I had actually had to stop washing it like I was just like I need a break like this is like too much yeah oh it's um 100% too much it's really revolting uh, yeah yeah and this is yeah this is like decades ago D- decades ago and I think that's okay so I've seen a lot of um I've seen a lot of like criticism like you know Mia Farrow and Dylan, they can't, they can't, they've been trying, they've been like telling the story for decades and they can't let it go. But I think for them, it's not necessarily not being able to let it go, but it's the fact that Woody Allen has been celebrated in his industry and has gotten away with it. They want their stories to be heard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't, it's not, and like acknowledged in a very widespread way. I don't think it's about not being able to let it go. Like I personally would be extremely infuriated if I felt like my abuser and also my husband who ended up marrying my daughter, um, was completely celebrated, like completely oh, was beloved. An illustrious right. career. Right. Beloved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that's why there's still, you know, un- I mean, that's why it's not resolved for them. So... I, the documentary is chilling, you guys. You need to watch it. Another really interesting point that someone made was, I don't know if you remember this, Chan, but in the documentary, she says, I don't know. I When I had, I had seven children and I didn't know who would want me. And one interesting thing I read was someone said, who would want you? Uh, someone who wanted to groom and abuse your children, right? Like, not that that's the only person you have but to someone date. Someone who wanted scenario, to take advantage. But- yeah, exactly. Yeah. You want who wants to go around well, your vulnerability and your children's I mean, and, and it's even more sick and twisted because you know he said he wanted no part of, of the children. Like he when they first started dating, right. and so I'm sure when he showed any sort of interest in them and Dylan, like I'm sure that what felt like you know a very like sweet and like loving thing. Like I'm sure Mia interpreted it as that, and so to think that it was I mean who oh, knows if it was a, some sort of long con or what, but it's. It's horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. And I mean, and I think, can you imagine also dating someone and you have all these children and they're just like, uh, they're just like, yeah, absolutely not. I'm not interested in the slightest bit. Honestly, especially like how stunning Mia was. It's actually like very yeah. odd. I get you have seven kids, but you're also a movie star. You're also stunning. Is it? I kind of think you can do better than, no offense, I mean, but. Neither you or nor I were like cognizant in like the nineties, basically, um, like or the early nineties. Well, we were just children. yeah, but but I'm yeah. just saying like we we were both like too young to understand like or unborn the draw. in your case in the early nineties to understand the draw of Woody Allen. But like, was he that like was he this like? I mean, I guess he was, and so I, I'm sure that was part of the draw. I have a different relationship to to Woody Allen's films than you do. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite. One of my favorites that he's ever done is Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I love Blue Jasmine. 
I love Woody Allen movies. I find them, I mean, Midnight in Paris, I find them to be delightful. I find them to be so funny and smart and interesting. Oh, oh my gosh, though. Oh my gosh. Okay, Chandler, this is this is a very juicy okay. story. And I'm not sure if you're aware okay. of it. But so in his film, Manhattan, he ha- is a 44-year-old man and his the actress in it who plays his love interest is 17, okay? Mm-hmm. And her name is Mariel Hemingway. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Mariel mm-hmm. Hemingway mm-hmm. at all? So she was like featured in Outdoor Voices as like, she's like, you know, very fit, very, um, she's like very That's her first name. Now, That's not her she, character's name. Her No, her her first name is Mariel Hemingway. She has daughters that are models. Their names are like Dree Hemingway. Um, and anyway, um, but she was an actress at this time and she was 17. So apparently, and she, I remember reading an Instagram post about this that she put out, but this was like probably a year ago, but she was 17 at the time. He came, the second she turned 18, she said, Woody Allen, who was 44 or 45 at the time, flew to her family home in Idaho. She still lived, lived with her family and asked her if he'd go, if she'd go to Paris with him. Okay. He says, I'm going to take you to Paris. And she says she told talked to her mom and dad and was like, I don't, I don't want to go to Paris with Woody Allen. Like it's very unclear to me what the bedroom situations are going to be, like what the expectations are. And apparently the mom and dad were like, you should go. Like this is an incredible opportunity. Like you should go. You should go. So apparently Marielle um, at seven or at eighteen went to Woody and said, who's that 44, 45 year old man, and said, so. I will potentially go to Paris. Like, sounds fun, but what are, like, I'm in my own room, right? Apparently he left Idaho the next morning, like left her family, like her family home the next morning. And in a like, like she, in a huff and was over it. And I think that Woody Allen has been displaying a predatory behavior, even in his films toward very, very young women. Mm-hmm. And that's like in a reality that's been in front well, of Well, and us. he's just such – his character is such a wolf in sheep's clothing because he's this like helpless, like, you know, buffoon. Neurotic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who you feel sorry mm-hmm. for, who women feel sorry for and ended up falling in love with. But that's the thing. That is like the classic part of Hollywood that it's just such a lie because, I mean, no offense, but that's the ultimate nerd fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Is like – you're this neurotic, unattractive right. nerd, and some super hot girl falls in love with you. And that's what I would call not reality. Like, sorry, incels. It's just not reality. Um, and I guess I'm here to expose the truth. Wow. So. Wow. Barbara Walters. I mean, you know you know how I feel about that. Also, okay, as uh, a side note, anyone, yeah. everyone should read Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. Yes, you told me to read it. I've never mm-hmm. read it. I think it. Ronan Farrow is like maybe the, one of the smartest people I've ever heard like talk. He's just like so articulate. And I, yeah, I think he's like brilliant. I mean, the catch and kill is interesting on like other levels. It's less like about his smarts and more just like about, you know, the way he um, got the, like the story out. But um, yeah, I, and I didn't realize his first name was Satchel originally, which is like such an, an unfortunate mm-hmm. name. I'm glad it's Ronan. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's like, Ronan now. You're named I after mean, a book bag? <laughs> you're named after like a, I don't know, like a- A common uh, good? A, a, a distressed leather right. bag? Yeah. Um, okay. 
before we sign off, Jan, I think we we need to address the allegations, the accusations, the attacks by Gen Z on millennials this mm-hmm. week. Lots of attacks coming from that side of the fence. Lots of attacks. I feel personally extremely affronted. Um, One question I want to ask you: do you want, How many pairs of skinny? How wait. many pairs of skinny jeans do you own? It's actually a very question. Very good question. None. Now that I think about it, I really only have. Um, oh wow! I don't. I have one pair of light skinny jeans that I threw away before we, before so, we moved. But I don't really wear jeans here. So do you have, do you have any warm. straight leg jeans? Are straight leg jeans still? Yeah. In? All, all my dream. All my dreams. All my dreams are straight legged. Um, all my um, jeans. All my jeans are like you know that classic Levi's mom cut. But I will say I only wear jeans. Very, very rarely wear jeans. I don't know how you feel about this, but I personally feel that skinny jeans are flat, more flattering on everyone than mom jeans. I mean, I think, yeah, there's like, there's one type of build. Well, I, I've actually like come to enjoy my body in like wide leg jeans, um, which I didn't think was possible. But I think that skinny jeans are, as far as like feeling sexy as well, I feel the most sexy in a skinny jean. Like, I feel like funky They're and just fresh. The most flattering. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, I don't know. I have actually have a pair of a few pair of wide leg jeans that I feel like like I sometimes feel like a loose fit does look flattering rather than a super tight fit. It's not it's, it's oh, totally, but in general, it doesn't matter what your shape or size is. In general, you look hotter in a, in a more well, fitted. Well, and look. also, I'm just going to say, all that aside, I don't want to be wearing low-rise jeans ever, which is what is happening. I mean, saying that low-rise jeans are in in vogue, are they? I could just see them coming back. I feel like the the rules, the guardrails that we've had for jeans for the last 10 years are, are going up in flames. And I think it's it's the wild, wild west. The train's mm-hmm. going off the tracks, folks. But I do I think that I think that for Gen Z, it's really all about that mom jean look that, you know, we've all been sporting for like six right. years. So cool. We'll see. Cool your yeah, cool your kittens. What is it? Cool your horses? I don't know. Cool I don't your know jets? what the phrase is. Cool your jets. Hold your horses. Cool your jets, kids. Um, also, I now feel extremely self-conscious because I feel like a a fraud when I send a skull emoji to mean laughing. It's, it's because I'm, yeah, it's not it's not natural. For I'm me. purely doing I mean, it because I'm. Ashamed. I for the record, y'all. I years ago made a joke about how if you ever want to just like act like a boomer. Or respond to a boomer in like a in a way that a boomer will understand. You just send four laughing, crying faces, and then like it's done. It's taken care of. It's handled. Um, like for you know someone's like friend's mom from high school comments something on your photo. That's all you have to do. That's what you. That's how you take care of it. Um, so I I will say that okay, so I what you're saying is you had this thought. I had the thought ago. that the laughing, crying face was like a was a way to connect with boomers, um, and a way to speak their own language. I don't really use that face, tbh, all that often. So what I face do you use? One. I use the, the absolutely crying one. Like what? Or I use like the, oh yeah, I do the yeah. sob face. Or I do sure. the one that's like that one. Yeah, and I yeah, do the and I do the one. cowboy that's as well. One. So I think we're in the clear. Anyway, I think we're in the clear too. I just I also want to say to Gen Z that you've never ha- you've literally never had it better. Um, right. You grew up in a generation where Victoria's Secret was basically mm-hmm, canceled mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the image of perfection was not, you know, like, like anorexic models. It was 
you know, body acceptance, positivity, like, like stand right down. You don't even know how good you have it. Do not take away side parts from us. Don't take away skinny jeans. I feel, look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's true. They've literally never had a better, there's never been a better world to grow up in as like a woman. Can I say that? Besides, like, despite the she session the, that's happening. It's like the youngest child in the family attacking mm-hmm. the oldest who had to deal with when their parents were still right. struggling, who had to deal with, you know, the less illustrious times. Suddenly that youngest child who's been in the most posh and polished of surroundings coming at you. And we're not it's here like, for it. It's like, sit down. Amen. All right. Well, it's been close to an hour and, you know. I think that's probably enough for people. We'll be back next week. All right. Well, Chan, it's been a pleasure. You guys will be on wherever you can find your podcasts and now on YouTube. Spread the word. Work a little soft. If you like this, please definitely tell your friends, help the podcast stay alive. Um, Please, if you don't like this, literally, please don't do anything. Do not post any review. Do not post I'm very scared about the YouTube comments already because YouTube comments are are savage. Coming for us. But I guess we'll see what happens. All right. Bye. Love you. Love you. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey! 
Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app.